The opinions of this podcast are my own and not necessarily the opinions of Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Ambassador Real Estate, any realtor associations, persons, or entities. If your property is currently listed with a real estate broker, please note that it is not our intention to solicit the offerings of other real estate brokers. Welcome back to Hunting Home. Uh, We have our first recurring guest on the show today, uh, Dylan Dravlin with NEO Home Loans. Couldn't have picked a better situation for today and a better topic because I feel like what's going on right now in our world and politics and the media um, leaves a lot of confusion. And Dylan is very good at uh, explaining those things, giving people information and explaining it in a way that people that are not in the industry understand. Um, so Dylan, you're all about, you know, you, you really expand outside of just mortgage. You really try to work on like wealth strategy and, and trying to put people in the best financial situation as possible. Um, so let's talk about it. Let's, let's get right to it. What's going on? Is it, do we need to still have good credit to get a mortgage? What's happening in our world? Well, uh, First of all, it's an honor to be the first uh, repeat guest. You That's bet. Pretty you cool bet. stuff there, man. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously that is the hot topic going around today, right? Everyone's seeing that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac um, release some changes to pricing. You, you're hearing the term LLPA thrown around, you know, and a lot of people are pretty upset. Now, there are some things I don't agree with in the change, um, which I'll kind of dive into, but there are some things that are a big benefit. For example, um, first-time homebuyers saw a nice benefit with the changes. So it's not, you know, it's it's very specific on everyone's situation. Mm-hmm. There's no blanket advice to give. It's going to come down to your own personal situation, but we can kind of dive into what, what actually happened and, and things like that. Yeah. So, you know, I tried to explain these things because it's hard not to get politics involved. When you're watching the news, when you're, when you're reading a headline, it's always very political. So let's try to keep this as informative and as baseline as possible because how is it going to affect us outside of politics? Number one, what is LLPA? So, and, and yes, I totally agree with you in terms of like removing the media-driven clicks, you know, instilling fear, chaos in politics. Yes, let's let's just give the facts or the facts. Let's talk about what's actually happening. So LLPA is a loan level price adjustment. So as you have, you know, there's like 32 different things that go into a credit, or or I should say, that go into an interest rate for your mortgage. So when anyone says, what's your rate today? I always say, well, I'd be doing a disservice by quoting your rate because it depends on so many different things, especially like you said, number one being your personal, you know, personal economy. What are your goals and, Mm -hmm. and things as they relate to buying a home? But so LLPA, it is a percentage of your loan amount that is applied towards your interest rate. So for example, a lower credit score will have a higher LLPA, meaning more of a percentage of your loan amount that is applied to your rate. So I think first and foremost, it still pays to have a better credit score. Let's get that off the table Let's right just now. make yeah. things really clear. Do not try to manipulate your score to, it might help my rate. No. A, a better credit score is going to have a better LLPA than a worse credit score. The change that made, to, to kind of put it as simple as possible, they narrowed the gap. So they made it more affordable for lower credit scores, and some of the higher credit scores did maybe see a little bit of worsening in their LLPA. But that 740 score still has a better LLPA 
than the 660, 680. So still shoot for that 800, like yeah, without so, a doubt. So if it is true that if you do have a good credit score, you know, you're, you're above 740, above 750, you did take a little bit of hit compared to the past. Yes, yeah. But it still does not make financial uh, sense to try to manipulate your credit score to save some money on your LLPA. No, no. And I'll send you, there's actually, a, the chart gets a little confusing, but when you see it, it, it compares the old versus the new. I saw that, yeah. So they, they really, before the old, the way it was set up before, your bad credit scores took a really tough hit with LLPAs, which is hence the FHA product. Mm-hmm. Right? It's better for, so now this kind of, to me, brought FHA maybe back into the mix a little more in terms of, you know, financing for the borrower. But yeah, I, I think, and I'll give you an example. So it's now, before the change, 740 and plus was, you couldn't get any better than, if you were a 741 or an 800, it was the same pricing, mm-hmm. okay? Now it's 780 and above. My goal for everyone and what I want everyone to achieve is to have that 780 plus. Yeah. That, that shows you are the most responsible borrower, your credit's great. So the the two biggest things that they look at when we're talking about these LLPAs is number one being loan to value ratio and number two being your credit score. So for example, if you put 20% down, you have an 80% loan to value ratio, right? Mm -hmm. Now let's just take a 780 plus credit score for an example, just to kind of show you what happened. The only area that the LLPA got worse for a 780 plus score is in the 15% down category. Okay. Which, you know, not many, most people, if they're gonna put 15% down, they just go to 20. Mm-hmm. And it's and it was only worse by an eighth of a percent. So very, very marginal. Mm-hmm. Now, 20% down, got better. 25% down, got better. I don't have it in front of me, but I leave five and 10% stay the exact same. So if you're that 780 plus borrower, the only area that the LLP got worse and it was very marginal, was at that 80.01 to 85% LTV. And in that situation, I mean, are most is that going to change most people's direction as far as what kind of money they're putting down? Is, it, is, the, is the backside of that any worse than, you know, coming up with an extra 5%? It's, or? it's so marginal. I mean, obviously, with your much larger loan amounts, that one-eighth of a percent is going to have a larger factor. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it, it'll come down to everyone's, it's really hard to give just like a blanket, like everyone should do this if they're at a 780 score. That's not necessarily true, but you know, different down, I, I don't think I would steer someone necessarily to be like, Hey, you need to put 20% down simply because the LLPA got an eighth of a percent better. Yeah. Right. That, that it still might not make sense. You know, let's talk about what you have in reserves. Like, what are you trying to do? You know, maybe you're trying to make some changes to the house. I'd Rather you have some reserves after the yeah. purchase than maybe forcing yourself into 15 or 20% down just to remove PMI or now people are going to be bringing up this LLPA thing. And it's like, yes, change has happened. This, this happens through in our world. This yep. isn't the first time yep. and, and it won't be the last. Yep. Right. So this is just going to be the new norm. And then we're going to dive into your personal finances and see what makes the most sense yeah. by running different scenarios through. Yeah. Right. So, I, I was going to wait to bring this up, but you kind of you kind of brought us into it, and hopefully we can jump back, is what, what this makes me think about is why you have to have someone in your corner 
that knows what's going on because it's always changing. Yep. And, you know, uh, we met for coffee last week and we were just talking about, you know, the things that we were running into. Me as a realtor, just the day-to-day scenarios that, that are always changing that you have to be aware of um, when you're writing offers, when you're accepting offers, you know, when you're showing property, all those types of things. But then on the finance side of it, these things are always changing. And then like when we were talking about is, you know, maybe you don't take, you know, I think people are in this mindset of if I sell my house and I have this, you know, I have $100,000 in proceeds from the sale that I just have to take that $100,000 and can, and put it down on my next purchase when maybe that doesn't make the most sense for you. You know, maybe you can take some of that money and, and uh, invest it elsewhere and you're getting a better return on that money somewhere else to maybe get a chance to diversify and all those things. So it's like, man, that's why I'm like, you know, sometimes I'm just, I feel like I'm saying this every day, but it's just most of our job is informing and educating people. And you were saying, you know, the last few weeks, you feel like you've just been, that's all you've been doing. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, you and I, we are in sales technically. Mm -hmm. And I I hate even saying that word. I, I absolutely hate it. You know, I feel like my job and as we discussed you doing the same same thing like you know again the media doesn't help they hear these headlines instills fear in clients so i would prefer just to simply educate lay out all your options and then let you make those educated decisions mm-hmm. remove your fears and anxieties you know strip out the headlines any you know the housing bubble crash whatever it may be that they're hearing and just be like here are the facts here's what's actually happening Here's what your goals and your personal situation is. And then I'll let you decide. I mean, yeah. do you think it's a good time to enter the housing market? Do you agree that maybe putting less down and investing your money elsewhere makes sense? Um, mm-hmm. Whatever it may be. But yes, I, I love the scenario when someone says, I have $100,000. What do I do with it? And I'm yeah. like, now we you can have, have a good problem. Fun. Yeah. Like, well, it, it's fun. You know, let's set up, you know, have you spoken yep. with a financial advisor? Have you thought about investment properties and what that cash flow looks like? And then in 20 years, you know, what what if you would have bought two new pro- two other properties with the minimum down for an investment property? In 20 years, what's the rent on those going to be like? You know, you've also paid the loan balance down. So I I think it's all about more long-term generational wealth than just I just want my cheapest monthly payment and the best interest rate on my mortgage. Yep. You know, everyone is so in that thought process and it's like you just got to think outside the box. So I feel like that, you know, when, when I go through strategies, that is more my kind of whole game plan is how can I help you see other routes? At the end of the day, it's your decision. I'm, I'm going to yep. do what you want to do, but I wouldn't be doing my job if you just came to me and said, I want this, this, and this, and I just gave it to you without yep. at least exploring other options just so you can see maybe an alternative route to financial success. Yeah. I mean, most people, they don't even realize that there are options, right? You know, it's not even about like what makes sense. It's just starting with, Oh, I didn't even know I could do that. Or Mm -hmm. I didn't know I could get that kind of return, you know, on my money. So yeah, kudos to you for doing that. I mean, it's, it's really important. And it's, I, I agree with you that it's very important just to educate, lay it all out there and let people make the best decision that, you know, what works for them. But without doing that, a lot of people don't know. They just simply don't know. So back to our issue <laughs> yep, that yep. we're talking about is, and once again, tr- I'm trying to get come, make this a, come across not as political, but more of just a, 
you know, my opinion, what your opinion is on the, su- on the subject. And it's like, overall, what are we trying to do by doing this? Are we subsidizing people that, that need the help to get into a home? Are we, I mean, what's, wh- what do you see as the ultimate effect here? And then uh, is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? So I, I don't necessarily agree in general with what, what they've done. Because your 700 scores, they, they have a, a negative effect on, on what's going on. I, I don't agree with that. I do agree with, you know, for example, first-time homebuyers. So on this chart, and I can send you the link or whatever if you want to post that out for people. But everyone that puts 3% down, which you have to be a first-time homebuyer to put 3% down, every LLPA improved, regardless of score. I love that. Because to me, the hardest purchase is your first one. Once you get into the real estate game, you have equity. You have things that you yeah. can utilize to help you out. Mm-hmm. But that first home is tough. So with this change, I totally agree with that change. Like, I love that you're helping first-time home buyers with their LLPA, loan level price adjustment, with 3% down. Mm-hmm. But the the biggest hit, I believe it's 720 to 760, putting 20% down, they took the biggest hit in LPA. I don't feel, I mean, to me, having a 720 to 760 is a pretty good score, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not 780 plus, but you're doing things right if you're in the 700s. Yeah. So I don't agree with that. And there, that probably has the biggest impact because it's really important to know this too, that your borrowers that are in that 640 to 660, it doesn't, we normally wouldn't put anyone in a conventional product with that lowest score anyway. Because of the LPAs, because mortgage insurance is crazy higher when you have lower scores going the conventional route. FHA also just came out with adjustments to their mortgage insurance premiums. That got cheaper. So, you know, I don't agree with everything. Some things are, you know, there, there's there's a con with every pro, you know, vice versa, right? Yeah. So there are some good things. There are some bad things. I don't like penalizing anyone that has a decent score. I, I don't agree with that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, everyone sees that the low scores got an improvement. It's like, would you really go into a conventional product anyway, especially with the changes that FHA just made? It might make total more sense to go the FHA route versus conventional. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, that, and that's why the people that are going to stick with the conventional route will see it more because they're going to stick with the conventional if they're in the 700s. You're probably not going to go to an FHA product if you have that good of score. Well, and it's like I agree with everything you said. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think people that are doing the right thing and have done the right thing for a long time should be penalized for what they've for the good that they've right, done. Right. But you know, our real issue, you know, we talk about inventory, we talk about rates, and and all those things. The real issue is affordability. One hundred percent. And so it's like if no one can afford to get into a house, and I agree with you again, the first time home buyer, that's the biggest hurdle to get over because coming up with that down payment just off off the start right. is a lot harder to do when you haven't owned a property for several years, you've been paying down the balance and the market alone has given you 10 to 20% Crazy. equity year Crazy. over year. Yeah, COVID was nuts. Yeah, so it's like, I, I, you know, I do understand and I know that there's people out there that are trying to do the right thing. They, yep. they, they're doing all the, the right, all the right things, but they simply can't afford to get into a house. And so- I, you know, I understand that. And I, you know, you go, so like you're always talking about headlines and talking about the media yep. and whatnot. And it's yep. like, I just, you know, people saying that like 
everything that's being done right now is is just like upside down basically what what are we doing we're going in the wrong direction and so it's like it's very important to um, read past the headlines and then look into what's actually going on and then talk to someone that knows what they're talking about because even me I mean you know I'm I know enough that I can get by right. but like that's why I look to someone like you is like hey can you explain this because this is not I don't deal in the in the financial no. world no. like you do you know so uh, that's why I was like man when this came out I was like let's have Dylan back on <laughs> yeah. talk Works about out. this um so for the people out there that are like okay uh I could care less what's happening because I don't even know what my credit score is I have you know I have I they're they're even behind on that situation yep. What would you tell somebody that's, you know, thinking about buying a home or maybe they already own a home and, and they just don't know where their credit's at or they know they have their credit's not looking great? What can they be doing to bring themselves to a better place? Yeah, and that's what I would encourage, you know, like you had mentioned. And whether it be a lender that, you know, deals with this stuff a lot or, I mean, there's credit repair places that you can go to um, to have them look at your credit that might cost but I think it's really important, you know, even if you're not looking to buy for, let's say, two years, you know, a lot of the times when people think they're ready to buy, it's too late or they're not, they haven't prepared to, mm-hmm. to be ready to buy. You know, so like we talked at coffee, you know, having borrowers that, you know, again, it's just a lack of, to me, a lack of education. Um, they just don't know really what's all involved in the buying process or, you know, they don't teach you credit repair in college or, or, you know, buying a home 101, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's not a thing. It, it should be. I mean, it should be like everywhere. Yep. Um, so I would say the, the number one thing to do would be reach out to someone, first of all, like, hey, here's my credit or here's what I'm doing. Any, any advice on what I should do? I'm trying to buy a home. Okay. Let's look at time frame. How soon? Yeah. You know, and then you know, I would say just some general, a lot of, I'll just touch on maybe the key points of credit that I see, you know, and just, you know, stop me if, if you want me to go in a different direction or yeah. touch on something a little more in depth. But I would say, you know, simply put number one, uh, you know, never miss a payment. Yep. So it won't get reported to the bureaus until it's 30 days late. So let's say you miss a credit card payment. You might pay your credit servicer a fee. Okay. Yeah, avoid that, obviously. But if it gets to 30 days late, that's when you're kind of in trouble. That's going to get reported to the bureaus. That's going to hit. And late payments have a huge weight on your credit score. So that's just probably number one advice. Okay. Number two would be credit utilization. So if they don't have a credit card, I encourage, first of all, getting a credit card. And it could even be as small as getting like a what we call a secured credit card. You can get from like a local bank. You put down a small deposit. It's for people with no credit or bad credit. That deposit's kind of, you know, like a security instrument for the lender to say, hey, you know, if we have to, we can pull this deposit back. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have a credit card, get a credit card, put a tank of gas on it. And then there's two dates to really keep in mind. Obviously, number one, the due date of the payment. So like we said, never miss that. Yep. Number two is the utilization of the card. So the general rule of thumb is keep it below 30%. So simple numbers, if you have a $100 credit limit, keep it at $30 the day the statement is produced. That is what's really important that people miss is like, oh, well, I paid it off to $0 and then it's I have a 50% credit utilization. It's like, well, what purchases did you make between the due date and then 
the statement date, mm-hmm. right? So now again, this is getting pretty technical. So if you're really trying to boost the score, I always say, okay, let's look at the statement date. That is normally in most cases when it's reported to the bureaus. Yeah. So 30% general rule of thumb, but if you really want to see a boost and if it's possible, it's it's tough to do, but if you can get it to 5 to 10%, you're going to see the biggest boost in score of your total credit utilization. That that 5 to 10% will shows you are a very responsible borrower. That's what the bureaus want to see. So unlike what Dave Ramsey says, you need a credit card to build a little credit and so you can get a loan or should we just pay cash for everything? I mean, yeah, you, you can you can continue to pay cash for everything, but it, it could, you know it might make things a little yeah. harder when you try and get a mortgage. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I feel like you know we covered actually one more thing, yeah. Dylan. We talked about this a little bit is is the debt to income. Yeah. What are we going to see coming down the pipeline for the debt to income ratio? Yep. yep. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So that is another change, another LLPA. Now. Obviously, these ones that everyone's talking about go into effect May 1st, and we've actually had it built into our pricing like for the last probably two months because the timeline, the loan has to go through the process and then sell on the secondary market, technical stuff. But So that change, basically anyone with a debt-to-income ratio over 40%, meaning what a debt-to-income ratio is. So we add up your monthly liabilities. We throw in the new house payment as well. And we, with in most situations, we have to keep that below 50% to prove on paper that you can afford the mortgage, right? Yeah. So what Fannie and Freddie came out with was, well, those borrowers that are between 40 and 50 in that tighter window, we're going to add another loan-level price adjustment to that. Now, that got some pretty harsh criticism, as it should. I completely disagree with that being a thing, but it got pushed back to August 1st. Will there be more changes made? I don't know. I, I hope they would take a second look. The fact that they already pushed it back to me says something. Yeah. But yes, that will, if that stays in effect August 1st, and again, that will have to go into our pricing as we lock loans. You know, about, you know, if you have a 60 day closing, yeah, I would say coming up sooner than later, mm-hmm. which I also feel like that's why it's really important to speak with a lender that's going to break that down and say, hey, you know, I know we're locking today, but you don't close until this day and that won't get loan won't get sold until X day. So you're going to see that pricing adjustment in there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's something to know when you're like, you know, if you're around talking to different lenders about rates, you know, maybe making sure they understand what's going on with that LPA. And if that 40% DTI becomes a thing that, that will, that's going to add insult to injury. Yeah. Unfortunately. So, yeah. And that's most, I mean, that's going to be most people, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean that's pretty common. It's very, very common. I mean, because what people want to do, you know, they want to see how much they can afford, mm-hmm. right? So we're gonna run work the file, say, hey, here's kind of the most that you can really get to, because we don't we don't qualify people based on the purchase price, regardless of what people think. It's, yeah, it's all based on what you can afford monthly payment. Yeah, we talked about affordability. So yep. as rates get higher, you know, that purchase price is going to be a lot different than when the rates are three percent they qualify for. Yeah, so we're qualifying you for the payment you can afford. Right. And a lot of people, they want to see, hey, let's maybe push it a little bit. Let's get above 40, above 45. And because I want to go for that nicer house, whatever yeah. it may be. So yep. that's going to affect a lot of people. Now, again, it gets easier when you are selling a home if you have to put a little bit more money down. Now, if that comes into play, we look at, hey, let's look at the pricing difference between putting a little bit more to get you below, maybe you're at 41% DTI. Well, in that case, does it make sense to put down another five grand? What does it do for pricing? Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. can't tell you just in general. 
But again, strategizing that way is is going to be way more beneficial, especially if that 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 will change the way a lot of lenders will have to approach things and get even more creative than it's just another hurdle, you know? Yeah. So, yep. Well, Dylan, I really appreciate you coming back in today and explaining that, you know, in more detail. If you have questions, reach out to Dylan. He's always happy to help. Uh, once again, Dylan Draveland at NEO Home Loans. Dylan, what's your uh, Instagram handle? Uh, just Dylan Home Loans. Hey. At Dylan Home Loans. <laughs> you can find D-Y-L-A-N. D-Y-L-A-N. Yep, yeah. So Dylan has a lot of good, like, educational videos on his Instagram page. You can see Dylan's face, and he can explain to you a lot <laughs> of the different things that we talk about. Um, so once again, thank you for listening and thanks for coming in, Dylan. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, Blake. Pleasure.